My name is Todd Cochran. Of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenlee. We are at Podcast Movement Evolutions. Rob, uh, here we are live again. Yes, we are. It's fantastic to be up on stage at another Podcast Movement event, which this is a new one. Evolutions, which it is, is, a, which is got, a novel concept. And we've got a backlit screen behind us as well. Right. So uh, we want to welcome everyone that's on Facebook watching us as well. We're streaming on the new media show page. So make sure you're going to say hello on wherever you're watching us. Daniel, thanks for checking in on, on, Wi-Fi, or on Facebook. But we'll be able to comment a little bit because I can see you out of the corner of my eye as we go on here. But uh, again, for everyone here at Podcast Movement, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest, Rob? Well, we've got uh, uh, Rachel Battish, who's the VP of product for Audio Burst with us right here. Yeah. Hi. Hi, yeah. Rob. Hi, Todd. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, it's fantastic to have you here. And then we have Douglas Reed, who's the uh, EVP of Music and Library Services for uh, Podcast Music and uh, was it? Source Audio, right? Source That's Audio the other company. The right. parent company. Right. And podcast right, right. Music is... Obviously, that we bring music to podcasters. That's the idea, right? <laughs> that's and that's what that's one of the big topics we're going to talk about today. Well, certainly, right. I'm glad I'm here. Then I know it's <laughs> it's convenience, right? For those of you who are not familiar with our show, you can go over to newmediashow.com and get subscribed to the podcast. Of course, it's found wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, we do this every week when Rob and I are available to do it. Usually it happens around Saturday, around uh, noon Eastern or 9 a.m. Pacific. So uh, make sure you tune into the live show. Of course, it's available as a podcast later. But, well, here we are. We're in the last day, last hours of Podcast Movement Evolutions, Rob. And I guess I think the first thing we want to do is just talk about the event, how the events went, right? Right. No, I think it's been well run. It's what we would expect from Dan and Jared as far as a podcast movement event. It's just a little smaller. I think I heard 1,200 people is what the, the Wouldn't number Wouldn't surprise I heard. me. I mean. Right. Just a little it, bigger than they had expected. It's always hard to judge how many people are here because we're in the little expo hall. People filter yeah, in and right. filter out. And then the exhibit rooms, though, I mean, the uh, session rooms that I've been in, at least when I was presenting, were full. Right. So 80 to yeah. 100 people yeah. in a room. So it was good. Right. Well-attended, well-behaved crowd, I must say. Yeah, I mean, it's an older venue. This was the home of, I think, the Academy Awards, I think, or the Oscars or something like that back in the 30s. Actually, well, the hotel scenes in Ghostbusters were right here when Vapen got slimed. (laughs) Right. So that's how my kid just went, oh. You but know, there hasn't been a building in, in L.A. that hasn't been filmed in. So right, that's very true as well. 20 yes. times, right? Yeah. So, uh, but again, we want to thank our online audience as well. And we're doing something interesting here. Everyone, it, this is called a silent disco. Right. Right. So all of the folks that are watching live here are actually got headsets on and listening to us via headphones. So for it's those of you like, listening to podcasts later, they're getting the same experience you are. Yeah. I mean, it's just like a podcast listening experience, right, where right. we got with our audience. So. But, you know, Rob, you did something that fell out of line of how we normally do a show. You actually prepared today. So. Well, I usually do that for our live events, Todd. So we, I try and pull together an outline. It's not like we have screens in front of us, yeah. which is what we normally have, right? So, yeah. so the, just so everyone that's watching or listening uh, knows the, the show's been made up of three tracks, a creator track, an advanced track, and an industry track. Mm-hmm. And there's been separate sessions uh, going on continuously for three days. It's been going out. Some evening events. We went to a nice party last night where we could actually talk to each other. Wow. Yeah, all the other parties were very, very loud. Yeah, so if anyone's watching, if you ever sponsor an after-evening party, <laughs> it's cool to, to not have a 1,000 decibels. Go at, like, 
50 so that we can talk right. and, and network and have fun and yeah. still drink liquor <laughs> and have fun. And, and it is a podcaster event, right? Like right, that's what right. we do. We talk. Yeah. Right? That's a- <laughs> but uh, it's, it's always a, you know, something that Rob and I always talk about events. We go to the parties and we're like, okay, our eardrums hurt from the previous event. So last <laughs> night was Valentine's <laughs> night. It was fantastic. We were able to chit chat and not yell and get hoarse. So it was good. Or yeah. Or you sound old. like me after the, on the last day of the event, you right. lost your voice. So that's the other downside. So the event did have some breaking news and uh, happened yesterday morning at 9 a.m. So we wanted to talk a little bit um, just as a, a group here, what everyone thought of the big announcement of the new podcast academy and the, what are they calling it? The Golden Mike Awards? Mike's. Mike's. The Golden Mike's Award. Because there is another Golden yeah, uh, Mike Awards. So how are they going to do golden mics? And okay, so I'll let them the figure that out. Right, right, right. There's <laughs> a battle brewing. Yes. So I'm just kind of curious on your. You know, I kind of have an opinion. I'll talk about that in a minute. But you know, Doug, what was your response, or what was your well, thoughts? It's a, a question, really, because I've been involved in this in the creation of other you know industry groups. And it always worries me a little bit when the uh, the big guys kind of come in and they seem to exclude the independents because they, then they sort of kind of dominate what's going on. And I didn't get a sense that there was a lot of independent participation. And podcasting really is a, a, you know, the little guy going out there and being able to do stuff. And if you kind of ignore that and you're only going to be dealing with the big networks, um, you're missing a big part, about 80% of what podcasting is all about there. Right. So that was kind of was my initial takeaway because, you know, we have seen this in the space here. The big guys kind of show up and pretend that podcasting didn't exist uh, until they, you know, deigned it to make it their presence known. And uh, so that was my one thing about, really about this was, you know, wow, I really hope that they're going to be reaching out and really talking to the folks that made podcasting what it was 15 years ago, the start of the whole thing, and to, to make really inclusive of everybody. Right. Rachel, what were, what were your thoughts on the announcement? And from, you know, you're, you're working with uh, getting content in and curating it and that type of stuff. So, but, you know, what was your perspective? Yeah, so I actually haven't thought about that before you mentioned it, Doug. So I, I guess that, you know, one of their challenges will be to make sure that they do get the individual contributors also into the game. Um, But we definitely cannot ignore that the fact that the big ones got in brought us into those events um, and and brought, you know, podcast to where it is today in terms of being very mainstream. Um, I thought it was a great idea. Um, I was surprised to hear about it. Um, You know, us being a technology company, we're uh, less in the heart of the actual podcasting scene. Um, But we are a facilitating podcaster. We work with individual podcasters, so we do appreciate and we love it. Um, And we have started, you know, also working with the big ones. So we see the difference and um, um, still want to make sure that they get their, you know, voice heard. Um, But I think it's a great idea. It actually makes sense. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how it's actually happening and evolving and to what level. Um, You know, we had the Oscars last week. It's going to be interesting to see if it's ever going to get to that level, right, of, you know, premium (laughs) events and and stuff like that and the glory. Live on television or something like that. Definitely. Right. Right. Um, So um, I think it's a nice step towards and I think it's going to help the entire industry at the end. Um, And I think that, you know, if voices like that are heard, 
um, yeah. they will definitely put you know the emphasis on. And I think that one of the things that I heard during the conversation was that they were um, actually calling for you know board members to actually participate and be part of the the whole organization. So you know now it's on the now it's on the shoulders of the individual podcasters to actually you know come and do that. Right. You know, podcasters always have an opinion, so we're kind of watching social, Facebook, everything on the response to this. And I was just kind of taking a wait-and-see attitude on it for now. But I think that um, one thing that we'll have to make sure is that we want to make sure that they're inclusive to indie podcasters. And, you know, you talk about the Oscars, and I think, you know, Netflix spent like $70 million to promote to get 21 nominations, and then they they got two Oscars out of those nominations. So, you know, so $35 million in an Oscar they spent was that much. So I'm worried. The only thing I'm worried about is that the big money is going to come into play. So hopefully we're able to have um, something that where everyone from the, the lowest level of podcast, the starter podcaster, all the way up to someone that's well-established and with an industry company can be involved. And I think they're application process at this point is a little little quirky but we'll let them work that out take some time again they just announced it it looks like to me that they maybe thought about this recently and it wasn't the message wasn't quite polished so um, we'll let their board of governors get this worked out and hopefully they invite some additional folks to because a lot of the people on that board of governors i was like corporate 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 (laughs) and i want to make sure that if they do have room for six or seven or eight, whatever the number was, right. nor governors, that they get some indie podcasters in to, to give some you know some input to the process. Yeah, and some podcasters that the broader community recognize and respect and will represent that side of the industry. And I think that the other thing that came up with this whole thing is is that Podcast Movement launched the, the Academy of Podcasters um, awards a few years back, and also they launched a Hall of Fame of which you and I, Todd, are, are a part of. Um, and I think there was some concern that maybe this is trying to replace that. And and I know Podcast Movement has uh, told told me that they intend on keeping the Hall of Fame going. Now, they, the awards part of it, um, I think they're open to letting go of that, uh, which is probably okay. Um, but, you know, these things are... Uh, are a moving situation, and I think that the industry, like you guys said, I think it is a good idea to do this. Um, I also got some clarity from Hernan that the uh, the Podcast Academy is not going to be uh, like a professional organization necessarily. It's just going to be a, an organization that focuses on the content side and content production and not so much focused on trying to include everybody uh, as far as um, I think they would like to include everybody, but it does feel like a very content-centric concept and idea, and that's kind of where it came from. If you look at the companies on the list that are included in this, those are very content-centric companies. So it's not just the content that they're going to be focused on. They're going to look at the script writers. They're going to look at producers. What's our part of the traditional wide-based look at the entire industry? So now I talked to Dan Franks this morning. He's one of the um, owners and leaders of podcast movement, of course. And um, I asked Dan to put together the numbers on what it's going to be to continue to support the Academy of Podcasters so that we can continue the Hall of Fame. You know, we missed last year, and it was largely because of dollars. So... I told Dan we're going to do whatever we need to do to try to raise that money. Even if we have to go out and do another Kickstarter right. to raise the money to be able to support the awards. You know, if, if we can't get sponsors to sit up, step up and, and, and write a check 
to be able to support that, then I think the community as a whole probably be well inclined to step up and throw some dollars on this. And whatever it may be, and I don't, he's going to get those numbers to us. We're going to talk about it, and we'll be talking about it more on the new media show as Dan comes forth. But it's something that I think is a worthy recognition of people that have contributed significantly to the space. And um, it's gotten initially good traction. And I'd hate to see it go by the wayside. So I personally will be making sure that we promote to try to raise the money for the Academy of Podcasters to make sure that event happens at Podcast Movement in Dallas this coming August. Yeah, and also I wanted to mention, too, as we think about podcast awards, I think it was talked about a little bit about having um, a lot of awards is not necessarily a bad thing necessarily because it does drive recognition to more shows. If you think about the big picture, these awards are happening in Australia and Canada. I, I think the Canadian podcast awards are actually happening like this week. Uh, up in Canada, so you know these things are bubbling up around the the world. I, I think they're going to start happening in Asia and other countries around the world. Australia's uh, already had some. UK right. has already had. Right. So it's you know, I think it's good to get recognition, and especially in specific countries where they right. may not get recognition in the United States. So it's good because podcast is global, continues to grow, and we'll find people in those countries that will assume a leadership roles and try to leadership roles and try to promote podcasting. But anyway. You know, I, it took the Oscars how many years to get the best movie coming from Korea? I don't know. How, well, how long will it take yeah, for it was, the podcast uh, community here to acknowledge a foreign I, I podcast? That I would hope be it's interesting. immediately because yeah. there's a lot of good foreign podcasts. So, right. And, you know, really we shouldn't even – I don't even think of podcasting as, as foreign because this is a – you know, my show has – and this show has listeners globally. We reach 150 countries with the show alone. So – but yeah. it's different if it's in a different language, right? That's true. Yeah, so I that's, think uh, that's probably where it so, divides, you know, right? But, you know, at the same time, right. would I want to apply to have our show be considered for a British podcaster award? So, yeah, it's, you know, it goes both ways. But yeah. So hopefully they recognize foreign podcasts in this round. So we'll see. We'll just see what they come up with, and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. But, by the way, you can today register for the original podcast awards at podcastawards.com. Uh, registration is open. Had to give that pitch. That's mine. <laughs> so, um, so I think we should move into. You, yeah. you've got a you've got a well, topic. So go ahead, Rob. Well, uh, we've got some topics. We, we, we have, like like we introduced. We have some terrific guests that are that are um, representing organizations that are making significant inroads into a couple of important areas in the podcasting space. And and I wanted to highlight those on the on the show. So um, let's let's jump right into music first. Sure. Um, Douglas, what's what's going on with uh, podcastmusic.com? Well, this is our fourth uh, podcast movement event here. Right, we were actually right. uh, trotted this out the, the three, God, two, three years ago on this. Uh, just you know, Source Audio is probably the major distributor or uh, platform for B two B use of music out there. You know, we host forty million tracks right now. Uh, from pot, from libraries all over the world, and we got involved with podcasting because there was tre- tremendous difficulty and confusion about getting the licenses correct, about how do you actually get music properly licensed for podcasts. And uh, we created podcastmusic.com that's currently production library music, about 700,000 tracks and sound effects that uh, is either available for, for a subscription or a buyout if you just want a theme song or something like that. But the main point of what we were doing was to create a platform where we could then move into the big issue of getting popular music 
properly licensed for podcasts. And to that end, last summer at Podcast Movement, we announced a collaboration with Sound Exchange, which is one of the big uh, rights organizations in the United States, to come up with a program that would then appeal to the independent record labels and possibly some of the bigger labels as well to really start using the tremendous potential of podcasting to start to break music and you know create an interest in new artists you know we're not really going after the top 40 stuff because frankly they don't need the exposure uh we want the guys that haven't been able to break into radio so much and it's been a tremendous amount of surge of interest and we've been moving very methodically working out the technological bumps because we have to basically in order for everybody to understand this there are actually three licenses that you need to clear to use music in a podcast the first one is the uh, master use of the synchronization license, and that goes to the record label and the artist, the person who's actually performing the music. Then you've got to deal with the songwriter, and there are two licenses that you're going to have to in order to do that. One is the mechanical. That's for downloading, for the most part, possibly streaming. And the other one that's kind of out there is kind of a whiffy cloud is the performance royalty, and that's usually handled by ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, and GMR in this country. We're the only country in the world with four performing rights organizations to let you know how confusing it is. And the big confusion with podcasts is nobody can figure out if it's a stream or a download. So at what point do we have to, you know, where does the money go and how does it get distributed? So we're working directly with the rights holders, and we have to actually clear all of that. So we're bringing our first independent labels now. We've got a uh, big uh, EDM company with 400 producers that we're bringing on board probably by the end of next month. And uh, we worked out the technology of getting all of these guys to each have to sign the releases and the licenses, putting up the website and, you know, a lot of technical stuff going on. But uh, we're also working with some of the big organizations that represent the independent record labels. Very excited about this. So we'll be at South by Southwest and probably have an announcement at NAB. But the big push is going to be by this summer at Podcast Movement in Dallas, uh, expect to see some really interesting stuff going on there because the indie guys get it and they want they want their stuff exposed on podcasts and it's just a question of us working out the legal and technical ability to get it out there so stay tuned Douglas does that mean then that once you get this all figured out I get to play a full track of that licensed music or is that going to be 30 seconds uh, or is that it going is to be entirely up to the artist because some people don't care and they're saying play the whole damn thing and some guys what we call the high value copyrights and um, just you know the, the way a career typically goes in the music business is that you know a big artist that maybe hasn't had a hit in 20 years or something is then usually goes to an independent label for his new stuff and you know trying to get the rights to all of the material his older material becomes kind of a you know you've got to deal with who owns the actual masters and that sort of stuff. In a lot of cases, what they do is what is called a re-sing, is that they will re-record their old material or give you a live version of it, which they own a 100% to. So it really is, we're, we're leaving a lot of this, including the pricing, up to the actual artists, which, you know, they're taking input from us, and we want to take input from everybody out there that wants to use this sort of thing, what makes sense. And what I was telling Rob earlier is that we're developing a new type of license which would be for a song to be used in a single podcast episode. Keep the price down. So if you want to do, say, a podcast featuring 
a bunch of up-and-coming country female artists or something. You know, we'll have the ability that you can go and see the collections there and even work with the labels to get interviews and that sort of stuff. But you don't need to buy out the track to use as a theme song and that sort of stuff there. So hopefully, and the, and the license is going to be based on your estimated lifetime number of downloads for that episode. And that, we're going to set the, the first price point probably at around 5,000 to 10,000 downloads which we think is going to cover 95% of you folks without ever having to worry to upgrade your license. And obviously, if you really blow up and it exceeds that, then you would be expected as with any mechanical license to go and get the next grade of you know, download permissions to be able to go beyond that. But we want to set it up so that it's one and done. You pay for it, it's done, no one's going to come after you for more royalties later, and uh, we're going to want to keep it really affordable and really simple. So, you know, to throw another wrench into the you know to the gearbox here on on the issues then so you know just recently uh spotify has started to put the hammer down on podcasts that have music in it so right. we've seen takedown notices matter of fact we they just take the mute they take the show off right you yeah. know we get the notice that the show's been removed you guys have been seeing some yep. that's been uh, going on for for probably over a yeah, year now. so right. and, and they're going through and, and if they match a you know, with their logarithm, and they say, "Yep, there's a there's a commercial track in there." Boom, they're out, and they and they that podcast gets dropped like a hot potato. And yeah, it's, yeah. And, and it not just the episode; the whole show gets removed and from that's Spotify. On the list of things to work out, it's uh, just so everybody knows that uh, about fifty eight percent of Spotify's revenue goes to Sound Exchange. So that's a conversation that is going to hopefully be facilitated at some point. I'm not basically saying the Sound Exchange is going to be doing that, but I, I do think that it, this is definitely on the list of things that we will clear because Spotify, you know, and it's also iHeart, it's Intercom, all the big broadcasters are the big targets of this thing here. It's not the individual little guys, it's the guys with the deep pockets that really don't want to get involved with having to cut big checks to uh, performing rights organizations. So we're aware of this and... But- you We're know, it's, it's even more complicated it. because right. most of us are going to pass through. And, and what that really means, for those of you who don't know, is up to this point, on uh, most podcasts have been submitted to Spotify. They cache the file, and then what you do is you get it as a true stream on Spotify's platform when you hit play. But when we go to pass through, then that file is when someone hits play on that, it's going to be served just like a download has and and progressively Yeah, you get the back. issue. Yeah, so I mean, now it's not even... Even the, the companies like ours that are going to be on pass-through, it is now a down, a progressive download. It is, and people are like rolling their eyes right now because they don't understand this. But it's a progressive download. It's not a true stream, which there is a delta. So it just gets even more complicated. Well, plus also yeah. there's another layer, too. Just because the content creator pays for the license, what's the impact on a listening platform for that, that music play? Is there... I mean, is that clear with Spotify? They, they, they don't have any obligations? Well, these, are, these are all the details. That we're, right. This, you know, we're completely aware of it. And when I, that's what I'm saying, that this is a very methodical, you know, that we're going through. Spotify is aware of us. Um, the only people you know, who get rich on and, this is the lawyers. Well, that's what we're trying to avoid here. And believe me, we've already bought our lawyer a boat. So it's uh, putting a <laughs> lot a of, boat of money? stuff together. Oh, jeez. But it's... <laughs> You know, it's we're aware of this. It's one of these things that people want to do, but we want to do it correctly. And just from our technological issues, one of the things that uh, we do is that everything that comes off our website has an indelible watermark in the audio. 
Right. So, and that is unique to us. So anything that has this watermark not only identifies the track with perfect accuracy about where the money's supposed to go to, and actually we have an entirely new business that we can actually generate cue sheets automatically for cable television now. Right. But um, the beauty of this is that if it's got this watermark, it comes off podcastmusic.com, and it's got a license attached to it. So, you know, one of the things that we could work out possibly with some of the uh, platforms out there is that when you have your bot scanning out there, look for the watermark. If it's got something, hold off the dogs there, and uh, you should be able to flash us and see what the license looks like. So there's, what, a new service that was announced, I don't know how new it is, but that is actually indexing podcasts specifically looking for music in the podcast? There's that, that, well, a couple yeah, are you guys Pex working we, with that? No, but we, we do have some relationship with Pex as the guy Pex, that right. announced this doing this. Right. And um, the only thing I, I can basically point out here is you're all familiar with YouTube and how the right. copyright strikes work with that. You know, right. Google does it, and that's all based on fingerprinting, and they some pretty sophisticated technology. But every time you get a strike is that you have the ability to upload the license and prove that you, in fact, license this material right. automatically. And that's where we think everything is eventually going to be going, is that you know, when you do get a strike there, you should have the ability, if you've spent the money, uh, that you, you know, to license it properly, you should be able to use the license that you spent. And this is why it's important to deal directly with the rights holders, because right. they are actually the owners of the material. Right. Uh, all the other organizations work for the rights holders. So, you know, it's basically we're dealing with the top of the food chain on this. And uh, they kind of, they make the rules, you know. Hey, this it, guy bought a license, he paid me, and you, he's allowed to use it. it. It shouldn't be this complicated, you know. It, oh, we, it always is, It's though. insane, you know, because, yeah. you know, those of you that remember what happened with Napster, it's just ever since then, we've just been in this quagmire of... You know, downloadable media being the big bad wolf that, uh, you know, they lose their minds over and sue people hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars for because you have done it. So uh, and you just understand now why people are using Apple Music or they're using, uh, you know, they're just signing up for these streaming services just because it's, you know, it's, it's you know, I'm sure there's people still out there ripping MP3s and doing stuff like that to get tracks, but, you know... I guess that's the advantage of where we're at today, but uh, you don't right. see people making big collections of music anymore. Well, and also, um, you know, on the, the the auditing side and the verification of of the license and the downloads that are associated with that license, um, how do you see that verification and that auditing happening as part of those those license well, relationships? Well, we were talking about with your RSS feed, right. you know, which I'm sure you guys are going to talk about in a bit here. Right. That. I believe that eventually there should be something where you can actually put in the invoice number, the license number that you have into right. the actual RSS feed. And it wouldn't be a big deal for us to have you know, the ability as a URL to flash it and actually get back, yes, this podcast was licensed right. to use this piece of music. But these are things that, you know, first of all, we've got to get the people participating in it. And right. uh, they've got to see that there's a lot of value to it. And right now, you know, it's not so much money, but it's the exposure we can give the artists. And we really want to work with everybody on this with the understanding that there are going to be bumps in the road. And we're going to work with you to overcome that because the folks that want to work with us want this to work. And that's the most important thing. So do the, the hosting platforms like Lips and Blueberry have a role in this? Oh, absolutely. I think that they will be kind of the gatekeepers of... Uh, okay. 
And it also, you know, and I expect that there are going to be folks that will only want to deal with major hosting services in case there is an issue and something needs to be taken down. Right. Uh, You know, Spotify did this, didn't they, when they, they first launched... And so that might be, you know, maybe we can bring in some of the big labels to do this, but they, it may only be through hosting services or major networks where they have a certain sense of security. It's not just somebody is going to be going on some, you know, use music and then say something politically inappropriate or something else like that. Right. You right. know, the hair on the back of my neck nervous. stands up when you say geek, gatekeepers. I really hate that word in a big way. And it just... Again, it's, I hope you're able to find a way that all podcasters are going to be able to license this music, regardless of hosting platform. I just think a question of establishing goal. comfort, I think, in the, in the industry. That's all. And, right. uh, you know, again, it's going to be a rocky road, but, you know, at least we're trying. I mean, So those, those two, for, those two uh, ACDC Black and Black tracks I played in episode, episode two of my show in 2004 probably uh, is still uh, going to get me uh, sued if they find those, right? Yes, but we're actually talking to a cover uh, uh, group that anything. has cover uh, music that it might. Oh, they're not. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, speaking of those, those Everybody big. Everybody was back in black. It's just like, you know, right. I mean, it's we, a cool can, song, we can just do, right? a, just do a business of just the first eight yeah. bars of black, back you in know, black. Or, are good, or, right? or playing Queen or some of these really popular music <laughs> artists, right? Um, so, well, the nice thing about this, too, is that, you know, once we be, since we're working with the writers a lot on this, is this is going to open up cover music as well. You right. know, you don't right. necessarily need right. to get the original the, ACDC the original track, version right. of right. back in black. There are a lot of them out there on cover music that gets licensed to television and stuff like that and all the money goes right to the writer and the record label has no say in it yeah, so, Brian Ibbett has been doing covers and licensed to pay this on Coverville for many many years yes. he, so but he just plays covers and he's it's a whole different game yeah, so if you're yeah. a music podcaster out there if, if the covers are your friend or their estate you know that, yeah. that opens up a whole new that's true thing you know so what is uh, unique about the big big music labels and the big artists from getting involved in this. Uh, the what, labels the love the idea, the uh, performing rights side right, of it. It's right. very nervous when you talk about it, you know, because we're going after a direct performance right from most right, of these folks right. here. In the United States, you have the ability to actually bypass the rights organizations and deal directly with the rights holders. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way we see doing this right now because there's just way too much confusion. And also ASCAP and BMI are under what is called a consent decree. It literally takes an act of Congress and a rate court judge to decide if they can, in fact, branch into different types of businesses. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of going, we want to get the direct performance rights and pay the writers and the publishers and the record labels and the artists directly. Right. Know, they're going to get it. And the plan is that they would actually, these payments will actually show up on their monthly sound exchange statement. Right. So eventually. But we're, okay. we're doing it in house right now to kind of get everything up and running. What's remarkable, though, is I think it was three to four years ago, I was basically told by there was an ASCAP, BMI, all the licensed holders, those representatives were at a conference and I raised my hand and said, how long before we can get licensed to be in podcasts? And, you know, they laughed me off the session, really. And they said 10 years or 20 years. So, you know, it's amazing we are at the point now, just a few short, three or four years later, where podcasts can be considered. And it's because they're seeing value. They're hearing the buzz. And what they're really seeing, isn't it, is dollar signs? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that billion dollars of revenue that's supposed to be coming in there has gotten a lot of people's attention. 
But again, it's a question of how do you leverage that and actually, you know, make sure that the stuff's getting out there and is listenable. You know, it's, it really is ultimately going to come down to the individual podcasters and the quality of the material putting out. Now, we have a pilot program currently going on with some, uh, some big radio stations because right now, uh, pretty much every DJ out there is under a mandate. You got to do podcasts, you know, and, you know, you can talk about craft beer or something, but what a lot of these guys want to do is talk music. So we are kind of playing matchmaker right now to, you know, in, in one case is actually um, working with the, the bands that are coming into the studio for interviews and working with their publishers and the, um, the record labels to get the music clear to be able to turn this into a podcast. So the interview is no longer going to be a half an hour snippet on the evening drive. It could be a three hour in-depth look into what they're really doing with their music. Right. And we're getting a really good response for that. Yeah. And Rachel, I wanted you to pull in. I wanted to pull you into this conversation too, since um, there's a possibility that music could be added more to podcasts. How does that impact transcription services? Is that going to be something you guys would look for to exclude from your transcriptions, or because there's there's lyrics, right? So those could be added, right? Right. So. Maybe a few words about what Audio Burst, because I don't want people to think right. Audio Burst is doing transcription. Right. Um, so um, Audio Burst is actually solving the whole problem that we have today with talk audio of search and discovery. Right. Uh, so I think if we are looking uh, maybe beyond the license uh, issues at the number one challenge today is how do I get discovered? How do I break through um, 850,000 podcasts that are out there? Um, and when we started, when, when the co-founders of the company actually started the company, it was five years ago, and we've identified the problem of, of searching, you know, through talk audio. We started from radio stations, right. um, so that's, you know, what's the, the starting point. And um, two to three years ago, we, we started onboarding podcasts as well. Um, so we actually have a platform for podcasts. They submit their RSS feeds, mm-hmm. and um, they take advantage of, of our technology now understanding a little bit what our technology is doing. So in order to make um, podcasts today search, to, to be searched and discovered, um, what we do is we have an AI platform that as part of the process is, first of all, transcribing all of the information that mm-hmm. is coming on our platform. Right. Um, so every episode that is being broadcasted is available for the podcast seven minutes after with full transcription. But the most important thing is also an automatic segmentation of the entire episode. And in this segmentation, we actually also identify whether, you know, this was an ad um, or this was a music part. Um, So there goes, you know, how how will that affect? Um, And we basically um, cut the full episode into uh, short form audio clips, which we called bursts, um, hence the name Audio Burst. Um, And we basically cut them based on understanding the essence of the content. So it's not just, uh, okay, here we think, you know, the the speaker started and to to say something and here he ended, you know, the the conversation. Uh, But we actually drill down into the content itself. This is why we do the transcription. Um, But we, so we have our own NLP technology that does that. And then we extract keywords, entities, um, speakers, identities. um, And then we cut the full episode into short clips. They could range between 30 seconds to four or five minutes. Um, And we're allowing basically the podcasters to take advantage of those automatically cut clips and share it on social, create videos out of it and use it as promotional highlights. Right. 
Um, so this is, you know, how the uh, podcasters are taking advantage immediately of, of the platform. On the other side, we take all of this content and we add it into our own talk audio repository. So we're listening today to over 7 million minutes a month of broadcasted radio and podcasts. So we're literally the largest um, talk audio repository out there today. Um, and by um, extracting all of those uh, parameters, we're actually indexing all of this content and making it searchable. Right. Uh, so it could be at the level of the podcaster. So I want to search you know, for something that I talked in uh, 2004, but I don't remember where it is. Uh, but at a higher level, it's uh, just making podcasts available now for people. Right. Um, we, we all know, like if you're using Google to listen to your podcast or even Spotify and definitely on Apple, it's very, very hard to find you know, something that you like. And by leveraging our technology, you can just say, I want to hear a podcast on parenting and we'll get you the best clips. Right. Um, and we're also not going to drag the end user into listening to a 50-minute podcast or a one-and-a-half-hour podcast. We're just going to give them the snippet. And then based on that, the user will say, okay, I actually like that. I want to listen to more. Um, so that's the goal of what Audioverse is building. We do have our own um, you know, technology as a product right now for consumers. So uh, we have a Chrome extension that you can add. So whenever you search for something on Google, we'll... Uh, pull out also the uh, talk audio content onto it. Uh, we have our own apps where people, you know, just skim through all of the information, all the content, and find whatever they like. Um, so I think for us, music is just another type of, you know, segmentation, right. uh, which we already do today. And we identify whether, you know, it's um, it's it's a music play, just the music, or if it's a background music and all mm -hmm. of that. So. This is something, you know, that our technology also already does. Well, the great thing about these conversations is that it, it never occurred to me that we, we need to get the rights to uh, clear the lyrics for transcription, mm. which will now add to the mix. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so here we go. That's great. It's, uh, yeah. Because that's true because most podcasts, well, a lot of podcasters, I shouldn't say most, a lot of podcasters today are doing transcripts of their shows. So I, you know, I'm thinking about that. We're going to have to ask the music podcasters, are you doing that? I don't know if they are, but it is a good question to ask. I know. Well, I think, you know, one step at a time. But yeah, yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right, though, because it's, you know, we're, you know, right now, just, you know, we're clearing photos, we're clearing biographies, you know, all the stuff for publicity, you know, as, as part of this. But, uh, you know, just even now, just being on the stage here and just going, because people have gotten into trouble. So, you know, quoting lyrics. And then it's like, ah, you know, that's my copy. I mean, this has actually happened. And um, we got to get it cleared, you know, and we'll just make that part of the deal. It's, Again, you know, don't thing. you love the lawyers? So, you know, one thing that, Rachel, you said that kind of triggered something through a conversation I had, and I don't want to drag us too far off track here, is, you know, I was talking with a podcaster recently. They were saying they were having a hard time uh, um, interjecting commentary into a Facebook group that they were in or that was aligned with their topic. And I said, you have to look for instances where you can say, okay, on episode 23 at 32 minutes and 15 seconds, I talked about this exact topic and give them something to point to directly so that it doesn't sound like you're just spamming a list to say, go listen to episode 32. Even more than that, they can actually add the clip so they don't have to send people to listen. They can actually add the clip to this conversation and say, here, this is exactly what I said. And this eventually could lead also to the full podcast. So, you know, for my show, what I have is I have a very good minute-by-minute -minute take on the topics that I've talked about, and that's indexed already on my website. But for most podcasters, they're not doing that. So those opportunities to add commentary about something they've talked about, this could be a way to 
uh, leverage Audio Burst and not have to have a spreadsheet with, uh, on episode 32, I talked about these 10 topics and here's a time hack so that you have that available later. So it's much more easy to say, oh, I know I talked about that. Right. You, go, you go to the Audio Voice and you know it's somewhere in there and you right. search for that. Right, and I think also for the uh, for the listeners at the end. Um, so you're doing that, and you know that's great also for search, right? Yeah. Uh, but most search engines today are actually using the description of the podcast that was given by the podcaster and the description of the episode, right. which uh, very uh, rarely actually uh, has yeah. anything to do with what with was discussed content, on the right. podcast itself. Right. Um, so avoiding that situation that I'm looking for something and then getting something totally different. So I think this is. Then again, a great, a great value, and um, um, and and it's available for all of Blueberry podcasters, right. right? So we partnered with Blueberry. It was the first uh, um, uh, non-direct, um, uh, you know, podcaster connection that we had, and it has been proven as being very successful. And you know, just having the ability to create everything um, on our platform, and you know, not having to go away from the hosting company. Um, has been also very beneficial for us. Um, one last thing that I also wanted to share about um, our advantages also for podcasters is the fact that um, on the one hand, we work with the podcasters and the content creators, but on the other hand, um, we have a list of uh, partners that are distribution channels. Um, so I know that, again, talking about breaking through... Um, you can listen to every podcast on the you know the usual suspects right on Apple and Google on uh, Stitcher, Castbox, etc. Um, but we've opened a whole different door for podcasters. Uh, we work with uh, publishers, websites, apps, consumer electronics, automakers that are ingesting our short form, and we're exposing those podcasters to tens of millions of new listeners every month. Um, calling people who are not necessarily listening to podcasts or maybe not listening right now, and pulling them into that industry and saying, hey, did you like that, you know, five-minute snippet? You can listen for more on here and then helping, you know, podcasters also to get subscription downloads or, uh, you know, whatever they like. So just wanted to annotate it's, it's, that. It's really about placing the right content in the right place for discovery. Someone's reading an article on a website that's about, it could be topic du jour, how to make candy, yeah. and you've done a podcast episode on making candy, exactly. and there's a snippet in there, and they go, oh, my, let's go listen to that podcast. Exactly. Exactly that. And for the publisher itself, it's a great complimentary audio. I mean, um, we're all used to having videos on the website, right? Uh, but people are now less on the screen. They like to listen to stuff, you know, when they, even when they stare on the screen. So um, that's been working very, very well. Um, and then again, from a monetization perspective, um, you know, using our transcription and our analysis, uh, we started working with ad, with ad agencies right now. Um, so eventually those podcasters will also see the dollars. Uh, which is very important because we want to have the industry growing and uh, making sure that all awards are financed and, and onward. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, on, the tr- on the transcription side, we're, we're seeing multi-layers of transcriptions happening in the market, though. I mean, if you look at Apple, um, Google, Spotify, and Pandora, they're all taking transcripts of all the audio that's being ingested into their mm-hmm. system. So what we're seeing is layers of this that are going to be exposed at the, at the, the, the listener um, side in these playing experiences. Mm-hmm. But then what, what you're talking about, Rachel, is exposing it to the content creators that they can use to, to find new audiences exactly. off of those listening platforms. So, so I think that there's different layers. As you think about transcription, it's not a one-dimensional conversation. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it's also about context. So as we apply AI technology more to this indexing, um, I think we can pull out deep topics that are in the content that we've never been able to expose before. Right. Right. And I think with the amount of podcasts that we out we have right. out there, if we really want to give a chance, you know, for every podcast to get discovered, right. you have to use AI. You can't have two right. million people sitting, you know, every day and just uh, tagging each and each podcast. Right. And if you think, you know, we've talked about this on this show before, but if you think about, you know, what the 800-pound gorilla Google is doing, you know, I, you know, I've got a hypothesis within the next two to three years based on conversations I've had with them is that, The transcripts and the contextual data that they get out of there will end up even, you know, this is probably going to affect your business model. They're going to be now, you know, directing people to a specific segment in the show as well. And again, I think that's two or three years out. You guys are ahead of them in that case. But I think podcasters need to realize the power in being able to share just, you know, the headliners and other folks that do that where you have to manually go in and set that up yourself you guys are already pulling those snippets right. out for them so you can get through that you can also de- set your own in and out mm-hmm. in the system but sometimes you just want to put something out there quick to right. make an announcement you go into audioburst in your dashboard and you say man let's share that right now out on my right. twitter feed and it's just a quick promotion for the day or, or a couple of those a day Yeah, and we also realize, you know, podcasters have, you know, other things to do in their lives. So we really try to make it very easy for them. Um, so finding the, the highlight of the show and segmenting it already kind of does 80% of the job. Um, and then making it available both in, as audio and video. By the way, you, we use the transcription to add caption to the video. Right. Um, so kind of combining everything in order to make it really easy to promote. And then on the other side, helping us to create valuable content that we can then give to our distribution yeah. channels. So as you look, look to the future, should the podcasters start thinking about maybe making adjustments to how they produce their content so it's easier for these contextual engines to, to be able to segment their content or just do what they normally do and it'll take care of itself? So I think that technology has to adapt to us and not us adapting to technology. Um, it could have been re- like if we were to tell them, you know, everyone, okay, when you start a new topic, please do gling or, you know, that's just not, we're going to lose the authenticity, I think, of the, um, of the, you know, the, the, the conversations at the end. So I think it's up to us uh, to figure out and everyone has their own, you know, their own Stop. way of talking and you want to keep it natural and you want to keep it fun. And we were talking about different languages, which is, you know, a whole different topic again to, uh, to discuss. Um, not just, you know, it's not just the language is the way the conversation is handled, right? It's the right. way that the, the sentence is actually built, right? So right. understanding all of that. And I think this is something that technology will have to deal with and is dealing with pretty well. And I think we're doing a pretty good job for now. So I'm not going to ask anyone to change the way that they no. talk now. I think that uh, don't use my content as an example because I don't even take a breath between topics. So it's just, you know, it's just one long run-on we're sentence gonna, that comes out of my mouth. We're just going to build a unique classifier for you, Todd. Right, right, That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes I start a new topic and say, oh, I, I switch topics, by the way. Which is, by the way, something that we actually do. So you're not the yeah. only one. Right. When we do the segmentation, we cut it into the different bursts, and then we actually compare whether you know, there is a, um, a similar topic that was talked in, in a few couple of bursts, and then we collide them together. No, so so you're, you're special, but not that special. Okay, good. <laughs> well, I was wondering because you know, I, I can visualize you know, transitions between topics, 
need to be rel- relatively seamless all sometimes they can get cut in the wrong place right so you start saying something and then it stops and and this yeah. is actually why podcasts are a whole lot more difficult to segment comparing to radio right. so it goes back to like in the radio they have a format right. it's a lot more easier to kind of follow the format and say okay this is where it ends this is where it stops um uh, this is where it starts this is where it ends the different blocks, um, there's there are blocks right? right whereas with podcasts it's like you start somewhere you don't know where the the podcaster is going to you know wouldn't it make sense then that it then podcasters they want to take advantage of this and become a little higher in the search engines then would you know Make, make themselves yeah kind of, I get my stuff and they do and better. they do we see it with the um, um, you know the bigger podcasts they they do that they build those blocks it's easier to follow up on them um, but then again what happens commercials too so. exactly exactly but today you also have uh, you know they have the the inserted com- commercials so identifying that someone is actually now doing a commercial and not, you know, it's yeah. not part of the podcast, which is, you know, again, one of the challenges that uh, we were able to break through with, with our technology, actually identifying that it, it's an ad um, and not just, you know, part of the podcast. Um, so I, I would say, like, that the bigger ones do that. I think also in order to, I think it, it kind of gives the feeling of a, a more quality content, you know, when it's right. bro- broken into uh, blocks and you're not starting something and then you're coming back to it at the end. Um, but there's like 850,000 of them. You know, they're not all going to do that. Yeah. And I think, too, I've been telling podcasters there's probably coming advantages to doing time hack tracking within your own show. And if you can actually put that on your website, in your blog post, where those, where those topic changes happen and do that time, that time stamping as a way to jump to that specific parcel audio on your website. I think, based upon conversation I've had with numerous people, that at some point, that's also going to be looked at, and it could trigger your AI to help find those spots, or it can help Google or wherever else is trying to, to do this to figure out where these segments are for this on upcoming increase in uh, being able to discover specific topic points. Do you see us um, at some point getting to the point where where these platforms like yours and others can, can, can basically do voice ID, right? So when you look at somebody's podcasts or you listen to some podcasts, you can identify who that person is based on the other audio that they that. produced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, we already do. do that. And it's, okay. uh, it can be part of the transcript also. So today you have speaker A, speaker B. Once we know the, the we identify the voice, um, you can actually say, you know, that's Rob Grinley and this is uh, Todd, right? So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, because a contextual transcript is super valuable when it when it flips between four of us. Yeah. It's, so it's easier not only for editing, but also for the, you know, if your AI is detecting that, then you know that there's a, the, not necessarily topic change, but a, a personality change. So it can get pretty deep very quick. Yeah, I can see it where, I mean, one of the areas of weakness that a lot of these voice recognition platforms have is accents, mm-hmm. right? Or um, a situation like me where I've lost my voice, um, not sounding like me, right? Yeah. So, so accents, I mean, how, how challenging are accents? They're challenging. <laughs> yeah. They're challenging. Um, but I think this is, this is a challenge that a lot of the uh, speech-to-text solutions have right. today. Right. Um, it, it's getting better. Um, we're supporting today on the platform, we're supporting um, English and Japanese 
Right. Uh, so we're not supporting other languages, but we do. I mean, there's lots of podcasts, you know, that they have their accent, and uh, uh, we do get complaints, right? Like you guys don't understand what I'm saying, um, right. and we're improving. Uh, and obviously, you know, the more that we have, the better that our engine also um, uh, right. trains itself. Um, but it is an accent, and I can say, like, my husband has like a terrible accent. No human understand him. So, and the only thing that does understand him is the machine. So, I guess that in some in some points, I think that the the machine actually does a better work than uh, than us humans. So that's that's not that bad. Our, our Facebook group just uh, Eileen just said I thought Apple was the eight hundred pound gorilla. So I think Ted, you'll get a little chuckle out of that. That's uh, he's in the audience here. Um, Eileen also says, oh, the video is much better, 48 minutes in. So it was a little choppy in the beginning. So thanks thanks for you that are following on Facebook today to uh, hang out with the less than desirable uh, bandwidth we have here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you've run out of, t- you've run out of your, your pre-planned topics, Rob. Well, I mean, yeah. So maybe we can we can just riff on stuff, right? <laughs> like we normally do. But, That's right. But you know, we could always wrap it up too, Todd. Yeah. So I guess um, from your perspective and both of your perspectives, you know, Rob and I are kind of always like trying to see where the space is going. Um, where do you see the space at, from your perspective on how podcasting is is growing and the type of content and. I'm just kind of, kind of getting. Uh, Want to get your guys' views on where we're at today? Well, I, I think it's a very exciting space. I mean, you know, it, it is. You know, it, it doesn't matter what topic you're looking for. Someone is doing a podcast about it, and um, you know, of course, some of it's not very good, but a lot of it is really. I mean, I've spent 25 years in radio, and a lot of the stuff is really sharp. And, uh, you know, it's not just the guys in the big podcasting networks is really doing really solid material, really work out there. So we're excited to, you know, as I say, you know, our goal is to really just expand the use of music into podcasting because we think it's really exciting not only for the musicians, but for the podcasters to be able to, you know, talk about your favorite bands. And, And to that end here, one of the things I was talking to Rob about earlier is that in a few months we're trotting out a new program, which is a uh, module for artist submissions on podcastmusic.com. And this is aimed specifically at those folks who are talking to local bands and using them for theme music and wanting to break their stuff locally on the podcast, but they're not sure how to get the stuff cleared appropriately. You could run it through us if they're sponsored by a, a, a podcaster, a legitimate podcast, and we will do all the legal work for you, clear the material, they can be on podcastmusic.com. They then put a price tag on licensing their material to all the other podcasts out there. And you will make be uh, sure that you, then you can actually continue your podcast with the music licensed appropriately. Yeah. So when can a podcaster come into your site and register and get, get on the, the waiting list of sorts to get access to this? Well, we do have a... A uh, music podcast sign-up sheet available right now. It's okay. actually, if you want a business card from mine, you can actually flash it. And all we're doing is we're just taking, if you want to get into the music podcast business and you're interested in talking to some independent record labels, we're putting together kind of a master list that we're going to share with the labels that we're already talking to and uh, hopefully be kind of a dating service here to find out, you know, the, the artists that we're bringing on board and to hook them up with the appropriate podcasts. So... This is all kind of in flux and in motion, but we're very excited about it. And uh, stay tuned. And I hope to see all you guys at the podcast movement in Dallas because big things are happening, we think. Rachel, did you have a takeaway from the show, something you kind of were surprised about? 
Yeah. So first of all, I want to say it was a great show for us. It's the first time that Audioburst participates and, you know, with the booth and everything. Um, I participated the last time in, in August, was it, in Florida? Um, and I, you know, immediately said, oh, we, we have to be there the next time. We're going to be in Dallas. So looking forward to your uh, news. Um, so I think it was a great event, um, meeting a lot of new people, um, both from the large companies, but also like individual podcasters, just like every acquaintance with anyone at a party or just at our booth. It's like amazing podcasts that are out there um, that I've never heard about before. Right. And, and they all have the same the same challenge of, again, breaking through um, in terms of what I think is going to be. I, I, I really don't know. I mean, we're, we're at 90 million people listening on a monthly basis. Um, 850,000 podcasts. I think we're going to start seeing um, some shrinking in the amount of podcasts that are out there. I think, you know, those that will not be able to get enough listeners are just not going to continue. So I'm, I'm expecting to see continuous growth of listeners, but maybe some reduction or at least not such a huge growth in, in podcasts because there was a 70% 70 um, increase in podcasts from 2018. So 2018, we reached a half a million, right. and now we're at 850,000. It's amazing. Um, you folks have questions, too. What's the magic number of episodes for a podcaster where they kind of get over that initial hump? And like, okay, we've made it, and we're actually going to continue to do episodes. You know, what? how do you well, kind of break through that initial... I, I don't know if there's a magic number because every podcaster has a different goal. You know, it could be two gals that are sitting at a kitchen table talking about life or two guys in a den that are drinking some beer and having a conversation. I, I, I think the goals of podcasters are, are really different. But there is something to be said as shows start to grow and you hit that two, 5,000, 8,000, 10,000 level. There's kind of this like, I don't want to call it economy of scale, but it almost kind of like it feeds itself and right. gets a little bit of momentum going. Um, but then again, sometimes you see a show that plateaus and, and never really increases. So, and I, it's a very, very hard question. If you figure it out, you make a lot of money in a podcasting space, consulting, telling shows how to get over that hump. Well, Todd, I think we've over the years, I, I think the general perception has been that it's somewhere between seven and ten episodes. Once you've made it past that, well, if you make it past uh, seven right. to ten episodes, you're you're going to continue usually, right? Yeah, but you know, half of shows don't get to episode seven before they quit. Right. So you right. know that is uh, at seven to ten, or even up to twenty, you're pretty sure that show's going to go for two years. But it doesn't answer the question uh, whether or not they're actually going to grow and, and build a bigger audience. Um, I continue to say that uh, quality content will rise to the top. But you got to do more than just doing your podcast. There's, you know, probably a dozen things that I've talked about over the years that podcasters have to do to grow their shows. They just can't simply record, put it out there. Some people get lucky and have a show that explodes, and they have done nothing else. But that is rare. But that's like every like every business, right? So we're a startup. You can't just build your product and put it out there, right? It's not enough to have the best technology. Yeah. You have to have marketing around it. Yeah, you right. have to have growth, have, you know, bring your users. Right. But I think maybe with podcasts, and again, talking to some podcasters here, I think for some of them, it's, it's 
they don't even care if they have a lot of listeners. It's just an opportunity for them to express things or maybe to meet with their friends and talk about something. And if, you know, even 10 or 15 people of their friends are listening to it, that's fun. Maybe it's just sort of, you know, instead of going to the shrink, you just, you know, you open the mic and, you know, this is what I have to say. So well, there's uh, a lot of shows that <laughs> I think are just as, you know, they're doing self-therapy. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I think it's, Which probably, is cool too. it's probably better money spent than going to some shrinks. So, Rachel, uh, why don't you tell us how a podcaster can get signed up for Audio Burst and, yeah, and so, what they get and what they have to submit. So, first of all, because I always forget to say it, but it's free. That's right. <laughs> so, everyone's like, I'm, I'm giving the pitch, and they were like, okay, so how much does it cost? I was like, it's free. And they're like, oh, you should have said it at the beginning. Um, but I want people to understand first the value. So, it's free. You go to uh, creators.audioburst.com. Um, you register once, you submit once your RSS feed, and then we pull out the last 10 episodes, and then every new episode that comes out, we automatically fetch it. We run the transcription, uh, transcription segmentation and make it ready for them uh, to edit, share, and for us to use their content. So creators.audioburst.com. And uh, let us know if you have any feedback. If you're missing some features, we're here for you. I do want to mention we had a meeting yesterday morning for the RSS Coalition. We had about 30 folks there. We had a wide spread of industry people that attended. Um, so what's going to happen with this show is we're those of you that are listening now via podcast, next week we're going to put the RSS Coalition meeting in the new, as the new media show because I will be at the Spark Conference in Houston and unable to do an episode next week. But for those of you that are already in the Slack channel as part of the RSS Coalition, we will put that uh, audio file up there in the next couple of days so we don't keep you waiting for it. We'll have it in there where you can listen to it uh, in the uh, Slack channel. So if, if you don't know what the RSS Podcast Coalition is, there's a group of us that are trying to expand the open nature of, of podcasting and the open nature of RSS to come up with some new elements and tags that can be used to help podcasters Number one, we hope build more audience, get some app developers excited to add some new features. It's going to be a long, slow uh, process to get through this because it's going to take some time and to get everything up and running. But hopefully by Podcast Movement Evolutions, we'll be able to present to the community and to the app developers our ideas and the marketing behind it and the reasons why we want them to adopt but uh, if you want to be part of the RSS Coalition, uh, all you have to do is send Rob and I a uh, email, Todd at Blueberry.com or Rob G at Libsyn.com to get in that Slack channel. You can just hang out and observe. You don't even, it's open to everyone. We want to make sure that everyone uh, has a voice and that can participate or you can just hang out and see what we're doing and call us out when someone has an agenda they shouldn't have. So, um, but Rob, I think this is going to pull us close to the end here. Any yeah. thoughts? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it was a great conversation about you know two of the, the the leading things that are kind of at the edge of podcasting right now and could take us to a whole other level. I think you know transcriptions and segmenting and music; those are kind of untapped areas that um, you know I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more innovation and, uh, and and things come to those areas. So it's been exciting, Todd, to be here at Podcast yeah. Movement. Thanks to Dan and Jared. For a terrific event. Yep. Yeah, really nice job, guys. Yeah. And we want to thank our live audience as well. It's on Facebook. I've been watching your comments. Sorry we haven't been able to respond to you as much as possible, but uh, thank you for joining us today. And for those of you that are in the audience, if you're not subscribed to the show, please go over to newmediashow.com. 
click on the subscribe button on the side, your Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or your uh, favorite app of Poison, and uh, definitely get subscribed to the show. You'll get a PhD in podcasting if you listen to the show each week. And if you have any guts, go back and listen to the 200 past episodes, and you'll really get educated. But uh, everyone, thanks for being here. Thank you, Thank all you of you so for coming much, on. Rob, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. And we'll see you next week on the New Media Show. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.